This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 193 of the show. And this is our last Friday episode for April. This is the month we've been celebrating our four-year anniversary of creating Sorta Awesome just for you, Awesomes, you know that we really truly do believe in the work that we are doing here on Sort of Awesome to bring that message of being awesome to the world, to yourself, and to the world around you. We believe in that so much. We know that you believe in it too. One of the best ways that you can spread the mission and the message of Sort of Awesome is just tell people about it. Of course, we love when you tell your friends, your sisters, your moms, your mothers-in-law. We have so many people in our Hangout community that have invited in their closest friends and family members to be part of the awesome experience. But another way you can do it that's so fast and easy if you're on an Apple device is to leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. Just open up Apple Podcasts and whatever Apple device you're on, search for Sorta Awesome, scroll to the review section and leave us a brief review. It does not have to be a long essay. It can literally be one sentence that just tells the world about what you love about Sorta Awesome. So here's a recent review from R.M. Bell, who wrote, I refer to these co-hosts as my friends, and they are the best kind of friends. I have endless awesome things in my life thanks to their recommendations, and I'm just so deeply encouraged with ways to be awesome. Thank you for that, R.M. Bell. That's so kind of you to say. And it's a great example that an awesome review really only needs a few words. So we only need 70 more reviews to get to our goal of 500 reviews in Apple Podcasts in April. So once again, search Sorta Awesome, leave a brief review, help us to have a happy birthday by shouting your love of Sorta Awesome in Apple Podcasts. Okay, this is episode 193 of Sorta Awesome. I am so very happy to be joined today by your friend and mine, someone who has been bringing the awesome to my life for years, public radio producer by day and Sorta Awesome co-host also by day. 
also my day, I was going to say. <laughs> it all happens during the day. What happens at night? I sleep. <laughs> Kelly, you have so many jobs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, yes and no, but isn't this the way of yes. women? We're all like wearing all these different hats and you just put them on here. Then you take that one off yep, there. Exactly. And that actually like segues perfectly into our show today. I know that's exactly what I was going to say. Speaking of having a lot of jobs and a lot of responsibilities, which all of us do, we have so much to get to today. Kelly really encouraged me with the strongest of loving encouragement to pick up a brand new book that's out that's called Burnout. It's all about the stress cycle. It's written by Emily Nagoski, who we have talked about before on the show, an author, a writer, a sex educator. She actually co-wrote this book with her twin sister, Amelia. And Kelly has been basically like, listen, this book is everything. <laughs> It is. I've been so excited about it, you guys. I just feel like this is the book that we want all the awesomes. If we could have a yeah. book club, this is the book we would put at the top of the list yes. and we would love to have every single awesome read this year. I really think it's transformative. Seriously, I want to put this book into the hands of my sister, of my closest friends, of people I've never even met because all of us, this is the premise of the book, all of us are suffering from burnout in various ways and degrees and for various reasons. And this book doesn't just say, oh, you know what you should do is take a spa day. They're like, no, here's what the science says about stress and about how it affects us yeah. and why we are in this constant state of burnout. And here is what a path to wellness looks like. So Kelly and I have read it. We are so excited to give you some of the highlights, some of the big takeaways, but we really do encourage all of you to grab a copy, request a copy at the library, make sure this is on the shelves of your local library. It's such an important book. So we have so much to get to, and we are going to get to all of that in just a few minutes. But first, let's do go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. This is the moment in the show where we talk about the books, movies, TV shows, podcasts, products, all of the things that are making life just a little bit more awesome for us right now. Kelly, what do you have for us this week? Okay, I have... I'm so excited about today's Awesome of the Week. It is the podcast that I've been recommending to everybody in my real life. It is called The Big One. Okay. It's made actually by our sister station, KPCC, which is the public radio station in Los Angeles. You guys, if you live in Los Angeles, anywhere in California, really to some degree, anywhere on the West Coast, you know, in the ring of fire, somebody that's going to be impacted by an earthquake at some point, specifically Southern California, because you know what, you guys? A big one is statistically likely to happen at any second, okay? What? <laughs> yes, really. I think that they said that, I'm not going to get the exact statistics right, but that the San Andreas Fault, if they go back and look at records, every hundred and so years, they have a big earthquake, okay. big meaning like over seven. It's been 165 years oh, no. since the San Andreas Fault has had a big earthquake. Oh, gosh. So literally, what they do in this podcast is they set it up with the reality. The reality is scary if you live in Southern California, but the reason that I want to recommend this podcast is the podcast is not scary. Okay. It is super, super great at giving you the tips and the resources to set yourself up for success. You know, they're saying this is not a matter of if, it is a matter of when. Your lifetime, your children's lifetime, this will happen. It is just geologically inevitable. So what can you do? What would it be like? So they have nine episodes. They're all out now, the whole thing. You could go and binge it if you wanted to. They're about, you know, 40 minutes each. 
they start with the first two episodes kind of being a story. Mm-hmm. Like, let's walk through what this might look like. Mm-hmm. And they do such great storytelling. It's such great podcasting. Like, this is different than just a radio report or talking to somebody who is an expert on geology or on earthquake survival, which you will hear in a podcast, but they're going to tell this in the form of a story. So it's going to walk you through like, what if you were in downtown LA and there's an earthquake that hits? Like they play music saying, this is how long a minute is. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's still going. It's still going. It's still going. Yeah. And it's going to seem like an eternity, even though it's not. And so how would you get home? And this is might be what it is. So then all the other episodes, they kind of backfill and talk about buildings, like building code. They let you hear from an expert who survived the Christchurch earthquake in New Zealand from a few years ago. So what was it like for her when she was on a bus and the earthquake hit? Like really what happened to her? What would she have wanted to know? And maybe my favorite part is that they end every episode with 10 more or less really, really practical tips. Like, If you live in an earthquake-prone area, do you literally survive this? Like, what do you need? So I remember one of the first episodes, they say, here's some things to consider. One is maybe keep some slippers or some sort of shoe right next to your bed. Because if an earthquake hits at night, there will be glass. Oh, right. And one of the first things that happens is that people, you know, you want to get out of the house and then they get injured. Yeah. And then, you know, the emergency rooms are really full. So you're going to have that injury. Maybe don't sleep naked. (laughs) People do. So they were like, you know, just consider that that's going to happen. Don't try to call your loved ones right after an earthquake. The phone lines are down. The text lines will be open. Mm. Send texts. Have some places that you can meet up. Know where people are. How are you going to walk home if you have to walk home because public transportation isn't working? So Uber, uber practical. So even as they set up the kind of scary scenario, they are equipping you. We feel like we are empowered now to deal with this as much as you can, right? Yeah. There's even one whole show about like kind of emergency preparedness kits and that sort of idea. Like how much water do I really need to have? And at what point have I flipped over into just being paranoid about life? Like, you know, what's the word? Like a prepper. A prepper, yes. A prepper, right? So they talk to kind of a prepper. Yeah. And so like at what point, like how can I be kind of like rational, but yet also feel like I've done something for myself or my family? Anyway, fantastic storytelling. I obviously don't live in Southern California anymore. Minnesota is not at high risk for earthquakes, but I found this super compelling, very fun to listen to because the way they tell the story, sobering but empowering. I highly recommend it for everybody but especially if you live in California or somewhere on the West Coast in Alaska, something like that, this literally could change your life. Okay, so I've waxed eloquent. What do you have for us this week? Okay, I also have a podcast recommendation, but it is not a life changer. So <laughs> everyone just switch gears with me a little bit here. <laughs> okay, I am so, so, so happy about this new to me podcast. I'm so excited to share it with you guys, but I'm also so mad about this because this podcast, you guys, is not new. It launched in February 2017. And I have to believe that somewhere out there, some of you awesomes have been holding out on me (laughs) and not telling me about this because I cannot believe a podcast that's this good has been around for two years and no one has told me to go check it out. So the podcast is called I Hate It, But I Love It. Oh, It's hosted by Kat Angus and Jocelyn Getty. 
those names may ring a bell for a few of you who are listening. Not just a few of you, some of you, maybe a lot of you. I don't know. Kat is a writer for BuzzFeed, and she also writes on other places on the internet. Jocelyn is a writer and an actress. They're both Canadian. The whole premise of the show is to dissect pieces of pop culture, talk about all the ways they are fantastic, all the things they love about them, but also that they're deeply problematic. <laughs> okay, there's the tension. It's the yes. nuance, right? We all have to live with that. Totally, totally. I cannot stop listening to this show. That's the nice thing about finding a show late or like, you know, when it's been out for a few years, you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much to choose from here. So most of us know, I mean, it's like one of the most true internet memes ever that all our faves are problematic <laughs> on some level or another. So on I Hate It, But I Love It, they really just dig right into that. Every week, they feature either a TV show or a movie. They kind of recap it, but it's mostly critique that looks at things like how women are portrayed. It's a very feminist-oriented show, power dynamics and relationships, representation for people of color or LGBTQ people, all kinds of things that probably most of us did not have in mind the first time we were consuming, you know, like pieces of pop culture that we love, our favorite movie, our favorite TV show. The best part is that Kat and Jocelyn are hilarious. You gotta be when you gotta talk about something like this, yes. right? This is not snooty, pedantic, look down your nose at people for what they like kind of stuff. They are fully like, I love this thing, but it's got some problems. <laughs> So actually, their discussion of The Matrix is so funny. I literally choked on my yogurt that I was eating while I was listening to it. Oh, my gosh. I love The Matrix. I can't wait to listen to that one. You should start there. There's a few running jokes, but not anything that you can't pick up on automatically. I started with some of their most recent ones and then went back and hit some from a few years ago. Sure. But I literally choked on my yogurt. Like who chokes on yogurt? I don't know. Even babies can eat yogurt without choking. No, no. You can choke on anything if it's truly that funny. Yes. If it goes up your nose, even yeah. yogurt up your nose is going to make you choke. So yeah, it's just that thing where the first time you're watching something, you suspend your disbelief. You just go with the story. But then maybe later you're like, you know, one thing I never thought of is why this thing happened or it might be something you've watched again and again. And the more you watch it, you're like, why did this, where, what happened to this character? Or like, where did this whole plot art go? Why are they doing this? Like plot holes, questions, stuff like that. So two caveats about this podcast. I hate it by love. But first of all, grown-up ladies using grown-up language. So if you're sensitive to that, be prepared for that. Secondly, you have to go into it knowing they are going to take down whatever they're discussing. So if you tend to get a little defensive or get your feelings hurt when someone applies critique to something you love, just don't listen to that episode <laughs> because they are no holds barred for sure. They cover the whole TV series Lost and they did that actually pretty early in the show. You guys know I love, love, love Lost. So I was like, is this one going to be a good one for me to listen to? I did listen to it. I super loved it because everything they pointed out, I was like, yeah, that was a big problem <laughs> with yeah. this show. So I'll leave some links to like a little starter pack for you awesomes in the show notes. I will say I did. I super loved the episode on The Matrix. I really liked the one they did on Titanic. They did an episode on 13 Going on 30, that Jennifer Garner movie. Oh, right. It is fantastic. That one is so good because they are very funny, but they weave in a lot of actually really important pop culture critique. So in 13 Going on 30, they talk a lot about the experience of being a teenage girl and having people correct what you're into and 
you know, just like the whole experience of not having a voice as a teenage girl was really a great episode. I super love the episode on Supernatural. That's one of my favorite TV shows. I have literally no one in my life to talk about it with because it's so dumb. (laughs) Wait, that's not dumb. It's really pretty dumb. (laughs) But when you're listening to this, like they're acknowledging all the goofiness of it and they're like, but we love it anyway. So right. Exactly. I hate it, but I love it. But I love it. Yeah, right. You guys, I'm telling you, this is a run, do not walk situation. If you are into pop culture critique, it is perfect to keep in your back pocket. We've got summer coming up, summer travel, summer free time around the corner. Like I said, I'll leave a little starter pack for you in the show notes, but that's my awesome of the week this week, Kelly. So I'm so glad that we both have good things going on in our earbuds all the time. In our earbuds. The awesomes are like, oh no, I have so much to listen to. And you really do. I think these are both (laughs) run, do not walk situations. Yes. Okay, so those are our awesomes of the week. You know that we would want to hear what is awesome in your life every single week. You can do that over on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. Every Friday morning, we're asking what is awesome in your life. And of course, we do this in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group on Facebook. So if you have not joined our community, we would love to have you over there. You can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. Hey, awesomes. There is something about the spring weather that makes us want to get up and get out of the house. And that means you're probably looking for activewear that's cute and feels great. And that means you're looking for Fabletics. Fabletics is a fashion-focused activewear brand with a mission to empower women by making a healthy, active lifestyle accessible to everyone with its exceptional price point. No matter how you are moving your body this spring, you can move in style with Fabletics leggings. And right now, you awesomes can get two leggings for only $24. That's a $99 value when you sign up as a VIP. Just go to fabletics.com awesome to take advantage of this deal now. Again, it's two leggings for $24. As a VIP, you get free shipping on orders over $49. I can't stop bragging on these. They feel so good. They are not sheer. And believe it or not, I can still wear them in my third trimester of pregnancy. I've loved everything I've gotten from Fabletics. So if you're ready to get up and get moving this spring, I highly recommend checking out Fabletics. Remember that when you sign up as a VIP, you do get two Fabletics leggings for $24. There's also up to 50% off a regular pricing and instant access to their latest collections. There is no commitment to order on a regular basis. All you have to do is go to fabletics.com slash awesome to take advantage of this deal now. That's fabletics.com slash awesome, two leggings, $24, fabletics.com slash awesome. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay, awesomes, this spring, maybe lots of us are doing all kinds of reorganizing around the house, kind of getting things picked up and put back where they belong. It absolutely broke my heart when I was doing some cleaning up, when I found a box of old VHS tapes and stacks and stacks of pictures from our college days. However, it did feel great to know that Legacy Box could take all of those memories off of the shelf where they're collecting dust and turn them into digitalized memories. If you are so sad that these family memories are just sitting around collecting dust, then you've got to check out Legacy Box. With Legacy Box, you're going to become the family hero because you're going to bring back lost memories to watch and see again. And again, Legacy Box helps you get organized. You're going to clean out your closet full of old camcorder tapes, remember those, and even aging film reels. All you do is send your Legacy Box filled with all your old home movies and pictures into them. They will do the rest. They professionally digitize your moments onto a thumb drive, a digital download, or a DVD. 
It all comes with easy-to-follow instructions, and there are safety barcodes included for every item. When Legacy Box is finished with your projects, you receive all of your original recorded moments back, along with perfectly preserved digital copies. There has never been a better time to digitally preserve your memories. So visit LegacyBox.com today to get started. For a limited time, you awesomes are going to get an exclusive discount. Go to LegacyBox.com awesome to get 40% off of your first order. That's right, 40%. When you go to LegacyBox.com awesome and say 40% today, get started preserving your past. All right, Kelly, before we dive in to talking about burnout, and we have so much to say, let's go back in time a little bit because my awesome of the week way back, actually three years ago this month in episode 55, my awesome of the week was the book Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. And I loved that book so much. It's about women and sexuality and health, why women struggle with sex and intimacy. She introduces the idea of the gas pedal and the brake pedal when it comes to desire. It is seriously one of the most important books on women and sex I've ever read. I still recommend it all the time. But you and I read that along with a group of friends of ours. And the one chapter that all of us really wanted to talk about in that book about sex and desire and having a healthy sex life was actually not so much about sex. Right. It impacts our sexuality and our sex life. But it was like this tangential thing in Come As You Are. Yet for most of us, we had not heard it discussed this way, much less heard the science behind it. Right. And that's Emily Nagoski's big thing. She is a scientist. And so, so much of what she puts together in her books is really science-based. This is not conjecture. This is not feel-good. Right. This is not self-help pop psychology. You know, it's not like, hey, this is what I think. Right. It's really, really backed up by numbers and hard studies that have looked at the brain, for example. Totally. In this chapter in Come As You Are, Emily Nagoski's previous book, she talks about the stress cycle and what the stress cycle is, why it's so important to understanding why we as women in the context of come as you are, she's talking about why stress and sex have such a tense relationship in our lives, of course. Well, not only did Kelly and I and our group of friends go like, oh my gosh, the stress cycle stuff is like an epiphany over here. Apparently, you know, like universally women who are reading this book were like, um, that's great about the sex stuff, but (laughs) can we talk more about the stress cycle? She partnered with her sister, Amelia, her twin sister, And both of them kind of come at it from a place of like, hey, Mm -hmm. we have a lot of stress in our lives too. Like what's going on with this? And they kind of start to dig in from there with talking about the stress cycle. Right. I think that what is interesting about this book and the fact that they wrote it together is that Emily said that for some reason, she kind of intuitively understood the stress cycle and that it needed to have a completion. And Amelia, while being identical sister, Mm -hmm. DNA, raised in the same household, did not at all. And actually had to go through several collapses of dealing with stress and kind of coming to terms with it. So that was where they decided we need to get this out there. We need to quantify it so that it's not just Emily saying, well, you know, you just feel it. Right. And Amelia saying, I have no idea what you're even talking about. So like we have to explain what it is, why it's important, what it does to your body and why you need to complete it. In fact, I thought this was interesting. So you guys, the book is called Burnout. 
And they said that when they told women that they were writing a book called Burnout, nobody ever said, what's burnout? (laughs) They said that the number one thing they heard was, is it out yet? Can I read it? Right? Right? Because we do have an intuitive sense about what burnout is. Yes. So they gave a definition for it, that it's three components. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was really helpful for me as I set it up. Okay. Because, you know, to the same degree, we kind of instinctively, like, we know what it is when we see it. We know how it feels in our body. But it was helpful for me. I probably do have a little bit more of a scientific brain like Emily to, like, say, okay, but what is it? Like, really? So see if you, awesome, resonate with any of this. First of all, it's emotional exhaustion. Mm -hmm. The fatigue that comes from caring too much for too long. Yes. Two, depersonalization. The depletion of empathy, caring, and compassion. And three, a decreased sense of accomplishment, an unconquerable sense of futility, feeling that nothing you do makes any difference. Yeah. Those three things. I mean, like who among us cannot look at our life and go like, well, I'm totally emotionally exhausted in this part of my life. Right. I definitely feel just that depersonalization. Like I am so exhausted. I've actually had to become unattached, unempathetic, uncaring in this realm because I have nothing left to give towards caring in this area of my life. And definitely, oh my gosh, (laughs) the decreased sense of accomplishment, feeling like nothing you do makes any difference. Like just, you know, we talk about home and home life so much on the show. The actual just physical showing up day after day after day to run your home, not to mention our careers. Yeah, there's a huge sense of futility in that sometimes. Right. I mean, they mentioned some statistics on people who work in sort of giving professions like teachers, yep. nurses, people in the medical field, like burnout, according to that definition, is as high as 50% in some of them. Yeah. And they said there's not even a whole lot of research done yet on parental burnout. Yeah. You know, something that this is a day in, day out, decades long sort of investment that requires a lot of you. And something else that I thought was really helpful to setting up the discussion was them kind of defining what they call the human giver syndrome. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. This is where it's really important for women because we all have stress. In fact, can I just say as a side here, I was telling Meg before we started taping that we here at Minnesota Public Radio, we actually had the sisters on, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. So to talk to them about this book, we were talking, we set it up. We are a call-in show so people can call in with questions. And we were like, we want to talk about women and stress. So women call in like, How does your stress feel? That sort of thing. And you know who called in? Who? Men. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, men want to say, but I have stress too. Yeah. And I had to be like, "Um, we're not going to talk about your stress today. And they were like, I literally had one man go, (laughs) oh. Well, yes, exactly. Yes. Men have stress. Everyone has stress. But this book in particular is looking at it through a lens of what women deal with in Western cultures. Well, here's the thing. The people most likely to suffer from burnout are people who help people. And that can definitely be professionally. Again, you mentioned the medical profession. Right. Any kind of caregiving profession. Yep. Even firefighters and police officers. Yes, exactly. First responders, ministers, people who are acting in a pastoral capacity have a huge percentage that burnout affects that profession, that life choice in a multitude of ways. But here's the thing that differentiates between men and women. Men, for the most part, yes, they do experience stress, but they are not also expected by themselves or others to do things like the hands-on work of parenting, 
or even beyond that, to look after their elderly parents, to run and manage the household, run and manage whatever their career is and themselves while remaining a vivacious, fabulous looking person. You know, they also aren't dealing with intangible stress that comes into your life for the most part. We're painting with broad strokes in a lot of ways today, you guys. Absolutely. Yes. Bear with us and have grace for the conversation. But for the most part, men are not constantly plagued by like, is my body ready for the beach this summer? Yep. Am I still attractive to my partner? You know, I've changed since we've had children, all of these things. Yes, it may be a concern, but it's not the continual stream of stress and messaging that's coming in to their lives and how they experience the world. It's different from what women experience. It is. In fact, okay, so I'm just going to read like a paragraph here from the book. When they explain this human giver syndrome is the words that Amelia and Emily give to it. They say that there's a separate book called Down Girl, The Logic of Misogyny. Yes. They describe a system in which one class of people, the human givers, are expected to offer their time, attention, affection, and bodies willingly, placidly to the other classes of people, the human beings. The implication in those terms is that the human beings have a moral obligation to be or to express their humanity, while human givers have a moral obligation to give their humanity to everyone else. And they say, guess which one women usually are. You know, they go on to say that like part of it is that human givers must at all times be pretty, happy, calm, generous, and attentive to the needs of others. Mm -hmm. So that's where a lot of women's stress comes from. You guys, we don't even have time to get into whole sections of their book where they say part of why we're stressed is just because we live in the world that we live in. Right. Yeah. That has so many demands of us and has so many implicit expectations that are almost impossible to meet. And so sometimes people, maybe you can't put a finger on one situation, but they're like, the whole system is rigged. Yep. So we can't even get into that today. So that's why we're going to encourage you to go read the book. But I think it's helpful to point out that there is this whole thing that we're dealing with. Even if you are in a stage of life where you're like, well, I don't know that I have tons of stress. Our world is stressful. Yes. But we also have specific stresses in our lives. So that's more what we're going to try to focus on today because that's the whole first section of the book is about the stress cycle that we get in that are more specific things, not necessarily the whole system that can work against us, but specific things that we deal with and how we can make sure that it's not affecting us negatively. Yeah, exactly. That's a perfect way to sum it up. We really are really honing in and focusing on the first part of the book that talks about the stress cycle, but truly the rest of the book really looks at holistically the way the cards are kind of stacked against us. But it's not just that. It's not like sort of just like laying it all out on the table and being like, well, good luck with that. (laughs) Exactly. It could sound like what we're talking about is really depressing or, you know, defeating almost like we're talking about how to feel more burnt out because (laughs) and it's so not that they're really saying it's just helpful to recognize yes that the environment that you swim in is exacerbating your stress totally and so when you recognize it then you can at least either fight back against it you know it's not recognizing it and feeling crazy yeah that is part of the problem. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the stress cycle. Obviously we know that we have stressors in our life. And then separate from that, we often kind of intertwine these two ideas, but when they're talking about the stress cycle, they're really looking at the two aspects of it. There's the stressors. This is anything that your brain perceives as being harmful. Sometimes these are going to be like really tangible things like having a really terrible boss 
or maybe just like a really stressful season at work. Maybe it's not always stressful, but you know, like for example, my sister's a middle school teacher. She always helps her friend who's the drama teacher do the spring musical. Well, it's not spring musical stress time all the time, but when it is, it's really stressful. You know, things like having a newborn or moving or going through a divorce, or like I said, your parents are aging and sick. These are like tangible things that we can experience. But as I kind of alluded to earlier, some other stressors are more intangible. Having a strong sense of self-criticism where you're constantly feeling negatively about yourself or about your body, just being worried about the future or just like being worried about the state of the world that we're in. (laughs) These are all stressors that trigger a stress response. And so stress is, they define it as a cascade of neurological and hormonal activity, which floods our bodies in these stressful situations. So it's happening on a physiological level. Nobody has a stressful situation happen where they're like, I must turn on my stress response now in order to respond. (laughs) Right. And I don't know, for some reason, that's really freeing to me to think that this is just how our bodies work. Yes. It's not just in your head, right? which I think sometimes people are like, well, why are you so stressed? Just relax. Uh-huh. And you're like, I don't know why. Oh my gosh. Here's why is because it's literally changing the way your body functions. Yes. Like you just said, that cascading wave of hormones, neurological, chemical, it's literally your body responding, which of course they lay out in the book and we could all think about this has evolved this way amongst humans to respond to danger, yes, right? Exactly. So that's why we have it. It's not a bad thing. Right. We're designed to say something is happening. I'm going to need to run. So my heart's going to start to beat faster. Yep. My brain is going to feel more attuned. I'm not going to feel pain as much. I'm going to get shaky. These are all things because I'm either going to have to usually, you know, either fight or flight, right? Right. So it's literally changing in our bodies. And they do such a good job too, I think, of saying, hey, this is not just changing in your brain or for those five seconds. Like living under stress changes your digestive system. It changes the way that your heart rate beats. I mean, it changes your whole body. Yeah. And so I don't think that we give enough attention to how we live under this all the time right. and what it's doing to us. Exactly. And so then they go on to talk about how we can get stuck in our stress. One thing that I really love, admire, and appreciate about Emily Nagoski and her approach to women and health is really making it very clear, like what you're experiencing is normal. She does that so well in Come As You Are when she's talking about different aspects of sexuality. And here, when we're talking about stress, she and her sister Amelia both make it very clear, it is very normal to be stressed. (laughs) Right. You're not a weak person. You are not overly sensitive. You're not any kind of negative thing. It is just normal. But what we don't want to do is get stuck in our stress. So like you were talking about, humans have evolved over time when this stress response happens to either run away as fast as we can, to have to gear up to fight, or even sometimes to freeze. But there's some kind of physical thing that needed to happen along the way as humans have grown and changed and evolved and developed over the years. The brain has this amazing capacity for signaling to the body, you're going to have to do something about dealing with this stressor. Right. Where we get stuck though is, so we were kind of meant to run it off. (laughs) Right. Like if it was a lion that was chasing us and we outrun the lion, we're like, we have outrun the lion. Yeah. But when it's your kid throwing a tantrum, you know, at the grocery store and everybody looking at you, (laughs) you how do you get away away from the lion? (laughs) What to? 
your brain's like, run, run, get out of here. Just leave the kid. Just go. Leave. <laughs> and that is not socially appropriate. So, right. Where we are today as a culture does not give us as many opportunities to complete the cycle. Yeah. Stress is different. It's less tangible often. We're not able to physically. Yeah, exactly. And they talk about this really specifically. Our bodies can't differentiate the stress between a stress caused by a lion or the stress caused by worry or unhappiness or a bad work situation. So in order to close the stress response cycle so that we do not get stuck in our stress, we have to signal to our bodies that everything is okay. And Kelly, I'm sure you picked up on this because you and I really were deeply both impacted by the Mind Body series mm -hmm. that we did over on Smartest Person in the Room. Smartest Person in the Room. I wanted yep. to say 10 things to tell you. I was like, nope, that's a nope. different one. Different podcast. There's all so many good things. No, yep. the Mind and Body series constantly came to mind as I read this book because it is recognizing, which so many of us are bad at, this connection between what is happening in our brain, our emotions, which I think for a lot of us, we were told like, oh, well, that's just like a female thing. It's just this add-on thing that you have that's really yeah. not helpful. Yeah. So we've tried to compartmentalize and be like, well, I'm feeling this, but why am I having this? So to reconnect the two and say, hey, this is stressful. It is changing my body. It's changing how I act yeah. and how I feel. And it's this cycle. And if we don't reconnect them, we are never going to be healthy. And that's why we get stuck. Yes. That's one of the reasons, I guess I should say, is why we get stuck is that we have disconnected them. Yep. And so we don't resolve the stress. And then we wonder why our bodies or our emotions are freaking out. Yeah. The other thing that they point out that I thought was really helpful is that sometimes we get stuck because it isn't socially appropriate to do what we want to do. Mm -hmm. Like our body would say, that jerk in the meeting is stealing my idea. I want to punch him in the nose. Right. Like that would resolve your stress cycle. But also, it's not socially appropriate yep. to reach across the table and take a swing at your coworker. Yeah. Or to leave the toddler who's, you know, tantruming in Target. Yeah. So there's times that, like, physically, we're just, like, aware. Like, we cannot do what our body's telling us to do. Right. And then they also say, like, there are times it's just not even safe to do. You know, they mention getting catcalled. And you may feel like turning around and being like, hey, jerk. <laughs> That's probably not the safest thing. So we're also aware that there are times that we cannot deal with our stress cycle because we have greater goals. We want to exit this situation yeah. safely. So these are all reasons why we can kind of get stuck or we just stifle yeah. the stress and we don't deal with it. And it is still living there, literally in our it DNA, is. in our cells. That's the thing. So to go back to what the actual thing that stress is, Again, using their definition, it's a cascade of neurological and hormonal activity that floods our bodies. So our brains, as evolved as they are, and as you know, aware of our surroundings as they are, our brains may be saying to us, oh, good. Okay, well, we got the toddler in the car where I'm never going back to that target again, but <laughs> we survived. So our brains have moved on, but our bodies cannot move on. Those hormones that neurological change, those things don't just evaporate out of our systems. And this is why our disconnect between our bodies and our minds, this is where it really harms us because our bodies are still pumped up and juiced up to do something in response to this stressor. And going home and lighting your favorite candle, I'm sorry, it is not going to close that stress response cycle. You have to actually do something with your body to signal to your body, we're safe. We right. did it. We made it out. Exactly. And I think that for a lot of my life, I was 
you know, explicitly or subliminally taught, like, just don't think about it anymore. Right. Like, you're safe, moved on. Just move on. Just move on. And while it's well-intended advice, it doesn't really help us to purge all of those emotions and the chemicals that are in our body. And so maybe some of us, like Emily, have kind of like, without thinking about it, done some things to get them out. And so it's not bad. But there's a lot of us in certain situations where we're not as attentive to that, Mm -hmm. to getting them out. And so that's why they wrote this chapter to say, here's what you can do. Okay, so Meg, what's the number one thing you can do to complete the stress cycle? I mean, the number one thing is move your body in some way body movement, whether it is actually running, for some people that may work, (laughs) having a kitchen dance party, anything that is going to get your body engaged in some kind of something that's going to raise your heartbeat, that's going to reassure your very stressed out body that it's okay, we did it. So the number one way truly is moving your body. If you are in a physical situation where for whatever reason, either you just can't make yourself do it, or you're maybe physically limited to what you can do, we're going to cover that. They're like, just do some jumping jacks, something to literally run it off in a sense, get those things to process through your body. Your brain has processed it. Now let your body process it. Right. I love when they said, you know, speak the language of your body. Yes. And the way you speak the language of your body is to move it, to communicate to it. Yeah. So what we're doing here is a lot of just purging. Yeah. Some of us might have done this naturally. Maybe you are a runner. And so you're like, well, I run every day. And all I know is that that's really good for my sanity. Mm -hmm. Well, this is why. Yeah. It's because you're able to literally get that stuff out of your body. But as they said, it doesn't have to be running. It could be swimming. It could be having a dance party. It could be doing jumping jacks. There's so many ways that so many of us Don't like get hung up on the word exercise, you know, do something they're saying to physically respond and you will feel a difference. This is one of the reasons why if you do make some sort of movement, a regular part of your life, it will make you happier and healthier. Yeah. It's going to purge this stuff out besides the good things it does for you. They even recommend truly because we do live in this sort of pressure cooker of stress, regardless of our age and stage of life. They recommend kind of building this in 20 to even 60 minutes a day. Yep. Definitely. If you're in, you're cognitive of the fact like I'm in a big stress situation. Definitely. It should be there. But even if you're not, even if you're kind of like, you know, things are kind of good right now because of all the external systems in place. Right. It's still good for you. Like 20 minutes a day, do something to shake it off, to run it off, to get it out. But I love that they include some other things like physical affection. And again, this is where it really tied in pretty seamlessly as Emily was writing about in her first book, Come As You Are, because sex is certainly an expression of physical affection. But they even talk about things like a six second kiss. I don't know. Kyle and I've been married for 20 years. You've been married for a long time. How often outside of an intimate moment do we take time for a six second kiss? It's a lot of kissing. (laughs) It's a lot of seconds, you guys. When we did the interview with them, I came home and told my husband their tips for completing the stress cycle. And I said, a six second kiss. And he's like, okay, let's try it. And I was like, we're going to only make it to five. (laughs) (laughs) Like our lips are pressed together, you know, because I just got home from work and I was like, I got to make dinner. I can't do this. (laughs) It is a long time. But that's kind of what they're saying is that it has to be long enough. Right. For your body to get the message that you're safe. Yes. Because that's why signs of affection work mm-hmm. is that it is communicating to your body. The danger has passed. You are safe. Yes. Again, your mind might know it. Your mind is like, hey, I left that uncomfortable meeting I had at work 
three hours ago, but here now you are saying, using your body's language, I'm telling you, stand down. Yeah. So another way to do this, they call it the 20-second hug. This is with somebody that you feel safe being in an embrace. They talk really a lot about like holding your own weight, like you're standing on your own weight. You're not leaning into someone. You're holding your own center of gravity. But hugging someone for 20 seconds, that's how long a hug takes to signal to your brain and release the good hormones of saying, I am safe here. Right. So again, if you're limited in your physical movement, this can be something you can do. They also recommend a technique of tensing your muscles really tight in different parts of your body, concentrating different parts of your body for 10 seconds, and then working on relaxing them for 10 seconds and kind of doing that over and over again. If you're limited in what you can do physically, but you still have muscle control where you can focus on like your shoulders or, you know, your lower back or, you know, whatever, different parts of your body and really tensing up and then releasing. Even that signals to the muscles, the parts of your body that are remembering the stress you've been under, it signals like, okay, we're going to work this out. Right. They even said breathing, which probably comes to a lot of people's minds if you have deal with anxiety at all, or you do any meditation, that's something they talk about. But that breathing in and then breathing out in a calm and controlled way, deep breathing, it also gets rid of some of the bad stuff and it communicates to your body that you're safe. And they also mentioned, and I just loved this one because this is maybe where Voxer comes in for me, but it says positive social interaction. And they also list laughter as a second one which kind of go together for me, having like casual but friendly interactions with people can help you to release the stress cycle. So as an extrovert, that's easier for me. Yes. And I'm like, maybe that's where I've been doing some of this all along. I know that I'm happier when I get to Trader Joe's and I get to talk to the clerk as I'm checking out. You just, like they said, it doesn't even have to be super deeply meaningful, but just something that tells your body, oh, the danger is past. Yeah. Just polite, general, happy conversation or true, true laughter, like that belly laughter. Yes. A couple of weeks ago, it's rare anymore for all of my family to be home in the evening because somebody's usually working, at least one person. Everyone was home and we decided to play a card game that our youngest two had recently learned. And in our family, when we play card games, it's mostly just an excuse to smack talk each other. Yes. Back and forth. Yeah. And there was so much smack talk and so much laughter and people just genuinely fell on the floor laughing. And I thought this was the best night. You know, like you can just feel all of that relax. Yeah. Watch a sitcom. I think this is why I'm drawn to sitcoms and not dramas because in the evening, I just need to laugh and I know I'll feel better. Yeah. So, you know, that would be a genuine way of laughter and it's going to signal to your body that you're safe. Yeah. I can think of situations in my own life in the last couple of weeks where I would have something happen and I'd be very stressed and fretting about it, you know, that sort of a thing. And I thought I just need to talk to somebody about it and almost like talking to them in that positive, friendly way, having them mirror back to me like, yes, I can understand why you're frustrated. Here's some things you can think about it like released the stress for me. Yeah. So it really is having people in your life. And a lot of what they talk about in the book is we're built for connection. Mm -hmm. None of this is like just you do it on your own. We need each other. Yeah. So to do this, I think that's such another good way to complete the stress cycle. Totally. And the opposite of that too, sometimes just having a good cry. Yes. Stacey, my oldest, who was on the show recently, is under a lot of end of semester stress right now. And it just seems to be really feeling it this time. And she told me she started crying in class the other day. But then after she said something like, I know you've told me this is true, but really, after I just cried for a little while, I really felt better. And I think sometimes we really try to train ourselves because, again, we connect crying with 
being overly sensitive or being weak, but there's a physiological thing that's happening when you have a really good cry that is so good and so good for completing the stress cycle as well. Right. Awesome's springtime. That means we're throwing open the windows and doing our best to clean up what winter has left behind. If your house is like mine and it's smelling a little dusty and looking a little grimy, you are going to be so excited, like I am, to get the spring scents from Grove. Grove makes healthier home products accessible and affordable, and over a half million families shop Grove.co for non-toxic dish soap, plant-based skincare, and tree-free bath tissue. Of course, Grove makes it easy to find the best natural, eco-friendly products on Line, they deliver them straight to your door so you can make better choices for your family with just one click. Everything available at Grove is healthier for you and the planet, and it really works. Grove delivers natural brands that you love, like Mrs. Meyer, 7th Generation, Bird's Bees, and Grove, straight to your doorstep. I recently got the mint collection from Mrs. Meyer Spring Scents, and I gotta tell you, I think it's my favorite scent yet. And now you awesomes can get this exclusive Mrs. Meyer's offer from Grove before it runs out. You pick from your favorite spring scents, peony, lilac, or mint, and with your first order of $20, you're going to get a free cleaning set that includes a Mrs. Meyer's hand soap, dish soap, multi-surface spray, cleaning caddy, and of course, the Grove collaborative walnut scrubber sponges. Those things are amazing. So you guys try Grove now before this exclusive spring offer runs out. For a limited time, you awesomes are going to get that cleaning set from Mrs. Meyer Spring Scents, a free 60-day VIP membership, and a surprise bonus gift just for you when you sign up and place an order of $20 or more. Check out Grove and our special offer at grove.co slash awesome. That's grove.co, not com, slash awesome. Grove.co, not com, slash awesome. Awesomes, you know here at Sorta Awesome, we are always all about celebrating all the awesome that women bring to the world. And that's why I'm so excited that we have partnered again with Lola. Lola was founded by women for women because founders Jordana and Alexandra realized that the FDA does not require feminine care brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their products, so most of them don't. Lola, however, offers complete transparency about the ingredients found in their tampons, pads, liners, and wipes. It's a little icky to think about, but truly, most major brands use a mix of synthetic ingredients in their products, including rayon and polyester. Their products might be treated with harsh chemical cleansing agents, fragrances, and dyes. Lola products are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. And they are all about making your month a little bit easier. Their subscription service is fully customizable so that you choose your mix of products, your mix of absorbency, the number of boxes you want, and when you want them delivered. And Lola's subscription is super flexible. You can change it, skip it, cancel it at any time. So if you are ready to join the Lola movement and get 40% off of all subscriptions, Go visit mylola.com and enter promo code AWESOME40 when you subscribe. Again, that's 40% off when you go to mylola.com, enter promo code AWESOME, the number 4040, when you subscribe. Thank you, Lola. You know, something else I feel like we have to mention because I can maybe hear some of the awesomes in their heads saying, yeah, but the stress is still there. And that's true. Yes. So one of the things that was hugely helpful for me was when they differentiated between stress and stressors. Yes. So they're saying we can't always resolve the stressors in our life, but you can resolve the day-to-day stress. Yes. So I think that that's really important. And everything that we've been talking about so far is how to deal with the stress, even if it means that you're not dealing with the stressor. Right. Right now. And they do give some ways to maybe deal with that. But I just wanted to make that differentiation that what we're talking about here is like 
what happens in you when you're in these stressful situations. You may not be able to handle, you know, that difficult family member or the coworker or a season, like you mentioned, that Emily's in with dealing with the school play. These things happen. We're just talking about how do you deal with the stress that comes out of those stressors. Exactly. I actually want to read one passage, if you guys will bear with me, because I thought this was so important. They say the good news is that stress is not the problem. The problem is that the strategies that deal with stressors have almost no relationship to the strategies that deal with the physiological reactions our bodies have to those stressors. To be well is not to live in a state of perpetual safety and calm, but to move fluidly from a state of adversity, risk, adventure, excitement, back to safety and calm and out again. Stress is not bad for you. Being stuck is bad for you. Wellness happens when your body is a place of safety for you, even when your body is not necessarily in a safe place. You can be well, even during the times when you don't feel good. I just thought, oh my gosh, that's what we all need to hear. Because truly, because of all the reasons, we're not going to rid our lives of stress. And that's not even the goal. (laughs) Right. The goal is to realize that life is a series of these cycles of being in really adverse situations and then moving into a place of safety in our bodies. Then that prepares us to go back out into the world. And again, so much of what we're being told as women right now is like, oh, you just need to practice better self-care. We've talked about self-care. We are big believers in caring for and nourishing yourself. But we have to kind of go to the next level and understand that this is a new level of self-care. It's really understanding how to connect our bodies again to our brains and work through these cycles so that we're not stuck in our stress cycles. Absolutely. You guys, all of this that we said so far was like chapter one. Yeah, literally. So if you're like, this is so good. Okay, this is just the first chapter. You got to read the whole book. Yeah. But they talk about how to deal with some of the stressors and not just the stress. And I thought that this was really helpful too, because for many of us, we're like, yeah, okay, so I can complete the cycle, but then I'm back in it the next Mm. day. Yeah. And so some of their techniques for dealing with that, and I'm not going to get into their whole system, but these were my big takeaways, is that there are stressors that you can control, and then there are stressors you can't control, right? Yep. So they said it's important to take a look at what is stressing you and name it for what it is, right? So if it is a season, okay, maybe it will resolve. And so if you just kind of take good care of yourself and can complete the stress cycle through tax season, if you're an accountant or through the end of the school year, if you're a teacher or through summer, if you're a stay-at-home parent, Mm -hmm. you know, like the stressor will resolve itself or you can do things because you're like, I can control some of this. We've talked before on the show that one of my longtime life habits was being late and feeling like I could do more in 20 minutes than is physically possible to do. And then that would create stress. So getting to a point where I'm like, I need to have a realistic view of time and my ability to move through it. Yep. That is something that I could do to control the stress. You can ask for help. You can share a calendar with your husband. You know, there are ways that when we look at a situation and say, okay, maybe I do need to take a higher view instead of just completing the stress cycle, which is helpful and good and necessary. Is there something I can do to help eliminate the stressor that is throwing me into the stress cycle every day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then maybe those are like, I don't want to say they're easy because they're not. It's like when someone says, well, just ask for help. Easier said than done, right? Right. Even though to some degree, intellectually, we can get there. We don't always take the steps that we need to. Mm-hmm. I think the harder situation is the stressors that you can't control. Right. So there's somebody in your family who stresses you out, but yet 
they're going to be in your family. Yes. You know, it's not a toxic sort of thing where you're going to have to cut them out of your life. Now what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think for that, they said that the biggest takeaway key is positive reappraisal. Yep. Meaning that you're going to reframe the situation and decide that this discomfort, the effort that it takes, the frustration, all of it is going to be worth it. Yes. Because you're reframing the difficulties as opportunities for growth and learning. And again, I'm optimistic. They're saying this isn't just optimism, although optimism is great. Like if you're naturally optimistic, you're like, hey, I do that anyway. Yeah. yeah good. But a lot of people don't do that. Yeah. And there are seasons of our lives that we don't do that. We feel like this situation is going to be the death of me. I'll never get out of it. I'll never grow. You know, it's easy to get into this negative self-talk. And so they're saying it's more than that. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that positive reappraisal is so, so important. I can look at times of my life that were so difficult for me. Again, you and I are both natural optimists, but I remember when the twins were babies and toddlers, I just like could not get out of the cycle of berating myself for how bad I was at being a mom of twins. Mm. I would look yeah. at other people and be like, how do people do this? I would see people on social media or even people I know in real life. And like, they seem like they're totally fine. It was the actual stress of having twins. And that was hard. But more than that, it was the constant self-criticism, the constant berating myself. And one of the biggest takeaways for me about when they're talking about these stressors you can't control is the practice of turning toward yourself with compassion and kindness. Oh my gosh, I wish somebody could have come into my life. I wish I could go back in a time machine and tell myself, you know, like four years ago, turn towards these feelings of grief and frustration and practice compassion and kindness because truly you are building muscles right now that will serve you the rest of your life. It's hard right now. It's not going to stop being hard for a while <laughs> and you can't control it. But just being able to have that compassion, that kindness, and really turning into it again, so many times, again, based on personality, I have a personality that just wanted to avoid and shut down and not deal. But if I could have had that encouragement to turn towards myself, practice kindness and compassion, I think it would have made a huge difference in how I worked through the stress of that time. Right. And to deal with the stressors, I think that the thing that probably meant the most to me is they talk about, and expectations are just my thing right now. I think so many of our problems, maybe my problems in life are because I have some sort of an expectation of the world, of others, of relationships, of myself, that this is exactly where I need to reframe it. They said you need to maybe redefine winning yeah, and redefine failure. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at stressors that you can't control, if there's somebody in your family that frustrates you, maybe what you actually need to do is redefine what you think that relationship needs to look like. Yeah. You know, like, Maybe you had this kind of view that your grandparents would be, or your parents would be this kind of grandparent to your right. children. Yeah. This is not a stressor that you can get rid of. Right. So you can say, well, what does it look like? Maybe winning in this situation needs to change yeah. the way I think about it. Maybe for you, when you were parenting twins and you were saying, I'm not being these things that you are comparing yourself maybe to an unrealistic expectation of how other people are, but here's what you were doing. You were surviving every day. Mm -hmm. That's winning. You yeah. were winning. So redefining that and redefining what failure looks like, taking a look at your expectations and saying, well, I can't control that, but I can control what I expect out of yeah. the situation and what I expect out of me. Mm -hmm. It's so good, you guys. Okay, before we wrap up, I do want to say 
that they're very realistic about the fact that sometimes stressors we can't escape from, but sometimes we actually have to decide like this this is causing so much long-term stress that it's really time for me to walk away from this thing, whatever it is. So again, I love this about the Nagoski sisters. They are totally realistic about what real life looks like. They actually create a worksheet for you in the book of helping you decide when to give up something that's stressing you out or when to stick it out and keep working through the stress of it. And so Kelly, if you just talk about how this connecting, not just to our bodies, but connecting to something larger is what they call it. This search for meaning, how that can be a big motivator for figuring out like, should I just walk away right now for real? Like, is this marriage over? Is this job a dead end? Is this whatever? Or you know what? I think I'm going to, I've connected to a bigger thing here. And I think that this is actually going to add meaning to my life. Yeah. I think that what they talk about, and it was so helpful, especially when you are at that pivot point, you're saying, am I going to stick it out and grow character here? Or am I beating my head against the wall? One of the ways to find your way through that path is to find what they call your something larger. And your something larger is really meaning. Yeah, It is like, what is giving you meaning in your life? I think for a lot of the awesomes that are listening to us, it's something like a spiritual meaning. You're like being connected to something bigger, a God, a love. There's meaning to this trial. There's meaning to it. So trying to find your something larger and let that be the beacon Mm. that pulls you through things when you're especially trying to say, maybe I should stay in this even though it's difficult. Or there is going to be more meaning on the other side if I give up. That we need that. Otherwise, it's just like, it's too like rational. I think that that's the other thing they do really well is even though Emily is a science nerd, she's never far from acknowledging the mystery in all of this, that there aren't clear cut if you do A and then B, you're going to get C every time. Right. You know, so they just want to give people the freedom to find that something larger and let that pull them through. Right. When they are in those tough decisions, when they are in the stressful circumstances that they can't control, how are you going to make that decision? Should you stay or should you go? Looking for that something larger is often going to be the path. Yeah. You guys, this book, get it. It is a real game changer in terms of understanding yourself, your life, and finding a way out of burnout. I think that that is such a consistent condition for so many of us. And this book, again, like literally, we're barely out of chapter one in our discussion here. So, right. <laughs> you know, sometimes you go to the movies and you see a trailer for a new movie and you're like, well, I basically should have just watched the whole movie when I watched the trailer. Yeah, like you watch the best part, yeah. the trailer. You're like, actually, the trailer was better than the right. movie. <laughs> well, this is not that. We are giving you just like a little taste of all of the goodness that is in this book. There's so much hope for healing. There is so much inspiration and it's so practical and so realistic. So. We just can't say enough good things about it. Right, Kelly? Yep. I cannot wait to whether people go get the book and we maybe organize some sort of like later in the hangout this summer or something like let people discuss it. Or for sure, just this week, we will put some articles and some stuff that the Nagoski sisters have written themselves that you guys can get more of a taste of it. Hopefully we'll entice you and it will just be a great discussion maker. Absolutely. All right. Well, Kelly, if people want to find you to talk about this and all kinds of things in life, where can we find you all around the web? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Gordon MN for Minnesota or on Facebook. I'm always in the hangout of the Superstars group, but I'm also at facebook.com slash lovewell blog. Okay. You can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. The podcast is over on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. And you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. You guys, thanks so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. 
Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer, and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer, and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.